Welcome to Tea Time with Mary. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm a former bikini fitness model turned self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first ever episode of Tea Time with Mary. I am so excited to be doing this podcast. Um, It's something that I've actually wanted to do for a while, but I was feeling a little discouraged about it. Um, I feel like I am nine years late to the podcast game, like that I literally should have started this a decade ago. But here we are, 2020. What better time than now? I am doing it. And the reason why I'm doing this and why it came up more recently is after my TED Talk, I did that in December 2019. So I don't know when you're listening to this, but my TED Talk is now out on YouTube. You can just search my name, Mary Jolkowski TED Talk. And after I did that, I realized just how much I love speaking to an audience. I absolutely love getting up there and hearing the feedback and like, you know, the the glances and seeing the moments that landed for people. And I know that even though I can't see your face right now, I'm totally imagining your face. And I decided that a podcast gives me like a much better platform to talk more long-term with you as opposed to just a short little video on Instagram. Also, with that being said, my word of the year is creative. P.S. The heavy breathing is me being nervous. (laughs) So, um, My motto is like, feel the fear and go for it anyways and speak even if your voice shakes and my voice is totally shaking right now, but we are getting through it. I will get better. Stick with me. But also my word of the year is creative. So I'm trying to tap more into my creativity. I actually signed up for drawing and painting classes. I want to start like singing whenever I feel like it and dancing more like with my sister and just by myself, like in my bedroom. And now podcasting has been this like, new creative outlet. And even though there's going to be like some structure to the episodes and how we do it, a lot of it is just going to be me sitting here and talking to you with my cup of tea. And just like I would be if I was on your couch and we were having a sleepover. So some episodes will just be like me and you and others will be joined by a guest speaker and they're going to provide some insight into topics surrounding body image and confidence and self-worth and body positivity and eating disorders, which is a lot of the stuff that I personally talk about. But also I want to bring in like experts that can really, you know, give some new perspective on feminism and women's health and self-love and just how to balance all that in this crazy world we live in where we have more information than ever. And yet I feel like we're feeling so lost and more lost than ever because sometimes the more you know, the more confused you get and the more times you feel like you've failed because somebody's saying one thing and another person's saying another thing, you don't really know the right direction. So hopefully this podcast will be a guiding force of some sort where you can come come here into this safe space and put in your headphones, sip some tea with me and just like be you and chill out, you know? <laughs> And before we dive into our first episode, I want to ask you to subscribe to this show on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you're listening. Um, Like I said, totally new to this podcast thing, but you subscribing definitely helps um, because it's kind of like encouragement for me to be like, yes, I love this podcast. Please keep going. And it also helps other people find this show. So you'll be one of our first OG subscribers. And who doesn't want to be an OG subscriber? So 
please subscribe to the show. And without further ado, let's dive into our first episode. Today, I just wanted to give you a summary of my self-love journey thus far. And so we can begin to get to know each other. And so you kind of know who I am, what I do, why I'm here, and all that fun stuff. So basically, I am Mary. I feel like I've said that three times already. I'm Mary, the Mary behind Mary's cup of tea. And when I was 11, yeah, I remember like my first signs of disordered eating being 11 years old. Um, my step grandma, who's not my step grandma anymore, she was my step grandma at the time. So she was my mom's husband's mom. I remember she would like poke at my stomach and tell me that I need to lose weight. And she would like poke at my thighs and be like, your thighs are so big. And meanwhile, she would also cook all these baked goods that were so delicious. And she would watch me eat and just like count how many like pirashki, which are like pastries that I'm eating. And I just remember it really like landing with me. Like very early on, I just decided that I needed to be smaller and I needed to take up less space in this world. And my only, like the only thing I'm good for is three things. Be smart, be pretty, and be thin. As a little girl, I remember literally deciding that. Like those are the three things that are the perfect girl. Be smart, be pretty, be thin. So I really like internalized that. And or early on, I definitely know that I struggled with bulimia. Um, I know now, but I didn't know at the time. And it really showed up in many different ways. Like I had, you know, I'd come home from school and eat a whole bunch of food and then over-exercise or not eat all day. And I even resorted to purging and so many different ways of doing that. But I never knew that it was actually an eating disorder because I don't know about you, but when I was in like middle school, high school, like having a mental health condition was almost cool. I like grew up in this weird phase where I don't know what, if it came from the 90s or if it was like Tumblr being really popular. Who remembers Tumblr? (laughs) Tumblr was this like old, like it was like this blog thing. It's kind of like Pinterest these days, but it had a lot of like pro self-harm and pro eating disorder content on there and pro sadness and depression. And a lot of the pictures were like black and white and they kind of promoted that. And I remember that because you know, my eating disorder was at this time, I felt like, you know, this was just my identity. Like I'm a teen. I'm supposed to be sad about something. I'm supposed to have some sort of issue. And there's, you know, not that I didn't think there was anything wrong with it, but I thought it like added to my personality. Like I thought it made me cool. And that's really unfortunate because I don't think I ever had anybody to tell me that like, hey, you don't need to change your body or dieting is actually really unhealthy, especially for 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, all the way up to 20s when you're literally going through puberty and your body needs extra food and your body will be changing and it will be growing and it will be developing and it needs fuel to do that. Um, So nobody ever told me that that was a thing. And I remember avoiding my puberty weight, like the plague. Like I thought in my head that I was supposed to stay the same size, the same shape, the same body, at least the same weight, you know? 
I was totally cool with like weight redistribution into my boobs, but anything else outside of that was just not okay. And I decided that I needed to stay in my seventh grade body throughout high school. And in high school, I started doing, getting really serious about dance and more particularly ballet. And in ballet, like it was really intense and I I really enjoyed it. Like I liked committing myself to this art and showing up to the studio and dancing my heart out. And it was such an, an amazing experience. But at the same time, it also put a lot of pressure on how my body looked. Um, my ballet teacher, you know, would say things like sucking your stomach. And I know now that hopefully that was coming from a good place that like, you know, you have to keep your core engaged during certain movements in order to make them better. But you know, to me, it was just all like, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat. (laughs) So that was a big, like, not even a trigger. Like that was just more fuel to my fire. And I remember my ballet teacher saying something along the lines of like, how, if I'm going to be on point and point is like those ballet shoes where you like literally stand on your toes, like you have to stay in shape because your toes aren't going to be able to handle all that weight. Um, so I started literally going to the gym and doing ballet literally on the same day at the same time. Like I would go from school straight to the gym, work out for like one to two hours and then go dance for like four hours. And conveniently, my gym was the floor below my ballet studio. So my ballet studio was on the second floor and the gym was on the first floor. So I could like go back and forth. Sometimes I would even go after ballet class and just work out at like 9, 10 p.m. And granted, I'm like 13, 14, 15 years old here. So one thing leads to another and I start competing in bikini fitness competitions and this gym that I went to, um, it was like really big on bodybuilding. So there were a lot of like male bodybuilders there, a lot of female bodybuilders too, but I remember the men in particular just coming up to me and being like, you know, putting their hand around my waist like they really cared about me when really they were just being creepy. Um, but I remember them coming up to me and being like, you should compete. You know, your ass is so great. You should totally compete. Like, no joke. And I'm going to tell you like something really fucked up. I guess we're having like honesty hour, but that's what the podcast is all about. The first ever man to get me into bodybuilding, he was one of the people that came up to me and kind of, you know, entertained the thought of me competing. I think I was literally 13 years old maybe 14, but it was probably like 13. And I remember like he was starting to like train me, basically hang out with me while I worked out. And he like took me out to lunch afterwards. And I remember, you know, feeling really like I needed to tell him about my struggles with food before I went into something like bodybuilding. I don't know why I felt that way, but I guess something inside me just wanted to share. So I told him, I was like, you know, listen, I, um, his name was V. I'm not even going to hide his name. His name is V. So I was like, V, you know, I kind of struggle sometimes when I eat ice cream, like I throw it up and he goes, he like looks at me. He's like, Oh, that's fine. Like, you know, ice cream is the best coming back up because it doesn't like hurt your throat. It's so creamy and smooth that it feels like you're just eating ice cream again, just the opposite direction. And I was like, so 
mortified and yet validated at the same time. Um, Because I always say that bodybuilding and fitness competitions and bikini shows gave me kind of a safe haven for my eating disorder. And it really like encouraged it. And this was one of the first occurrences of that happening. So it was really fucked up in every sort of direction, but that's what happened. And, you know, I just kind of decided that that is normal. And if I'm going to be a competitor and if I'm going to be fit and dedicated and passionate about this sport, then that's what's the part of it. So, you know, a few years later, I actually ended up did getting really serious. I actually ended up getting really serious about it. And I stepped on stage when I was 17 years old. It was my first ever competition, and I won a trophy. I won two trophies, actually. And of course, I after that show, I got even more motivated to do another show. So I did another one like five, six months later. And if you've ever competed, you know that like that is not a you know, good enough time. You really need time to recover after things like that before going into another one. But I didn't really do that. And I decided to step on stage again. And this around this time, the second time I stepped on stage, I was already 17. So my first show, I lied to you. My first show, I was 16. My second show, I was 17. And when I stepped on stage um, after, I remember this is when like my binge eating started getting worse because, you know, I was always binge eating, but there was always like kind of this fitness side to overcompensate. So I knew that if I binge ate, like I'm going to do fasted cardio in the morning, or I'm just going to start my diet on Monday, or I'm just going to restrict again. And, you know, it'll all be fine. Like if I binge ate on Friday night on this date, then three weeks of dieting and I can undo the damage that I did. So then after my second show, because I didn't really have a next, you know, competition in mind, I, my binge eating started getting worse, so much worse. Um, And at this time, I was also going through like friend troubles and boyfriend troubles and like all that cool stuff you go through when you're 17. And binge eating was how I took it out on my body. So I literally like blamed my body for my pain. And I had this belief in my head that if only I could have the perfect body, then I would have the perfect life. And I wouldn't let myself do anything unless I had the perfect body or unless I felt good about my body that day. And what I mean by that is like if I woke up in the morning and didn't like how I looked, I would literally decide that I'm going to have a bad day. I would put my hair up in a weird bun, messy bun. I wouldn't even wash my face and I wouldn't talk to anybody. I would wear a hoodie And I would just be antisocial and sad and swear to myself that tomorrow when I start my diet, if I start my diet tomorrow and I work out every single day, then I will feel better by Friday. And on Friday, I can be, you know, my best self again. But I wouldn't let myself be my best self unless I felt like my body matched up to it or what my expectation of what my body should look like was, you know, present. So that was like, honestly, this ran my life for as long as I could remember. Like if I don't look how I wanted to look, I wouldn't be who I wanted to be. And that just sucked. Um, But, you know, with my binge eating getting so bad, I decided that, 
you know, the only way to stop this and to get out of this and the cycle of guilt and shame and hating myself. And I remember like literally stealing food from the local grocery store because I was also a student. I couldn't afford all this food I was eating. So I would steal boxes of cereal and peanut butter and just go home and binge eat on them on my kitchen floor. I wouldn't even clean my home. That's another thing I would do. Like if I wasn't feeling good about my body or if I was binge eating, I would leave my house to be like a disaster, a shit show. And I would make it dark and I would just like, you know, pour more self-hate onto pre-existing self-hate. It was really sad. But I decided that the only way to get out of it was to obviously do another bikini show. (laughs) So I hired a coach. I paid him like $500. Competing is so expensive, you guys. Like I know it looks so glamorous on social media, but you do not get paid. You pay thousands of dollars a month, not to mention the show. And my bikini was $550, like that little sliver of cloth or that pathetic excuse for cloth was $500. So I paid a new coach and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do another show. And I don't know what it was. And I wish I could, you know, tell you exactly what this turning point was because there was a couple, but something about it, you know, my body was just screaming, no. And no matter how many times I would wake up in the morning and be like, this is it. I'm not binge eating anymore. I have a show coming up. My show is in literally three weeks. I've already had to reschedule it and all this stuff. Like no matter how many times I did that, my body was just like, no. And I just kept binge eating. And I reached out for help. I told my coach that I'm sorry, I can't do this. And his wife actually intervened. So I think he didn't really care about me, but I don't know how this happened, but his wife sent me a message on Facebook and she's like, listen, I have somebody for you. Um, She's a naturopathic doctor. She could really figure out what's going on with your hormones because maybe you have a thyroid function problem and all this stuff. So thankfully to her, I did end up going to this naturopathic doctor and she actually, her name is Dr. Ashley. She holds such a big special place in my heart. And she stepped in because she actually used to do fitness competitions back in her day too. And she dragged herself out of it. And that's what like inspired her to go to med school was because of her own healing journey. So she went to naturopathy school and you know became a practicing um, naturopath here in Arizona. And she really stepped in and guided me you know, along this process. And I remember like she would give me vitamin IV injections and then sit there and just talk to me. And it was the best thing ever for me. And there was one conversation that completely changed my life and it's about to change yours too. I was sitting there with this IV in my arm and I was holding a pillow over my lap, you know, because my stomach was too big to show my naturopathic doctor. So I'm like crouched over this pillow. And I remember telling her like, Dr. Ash, I just don't know why I keep binge eating. Like I'm not depressed. You say my, you know, thyroid numbers are for the most part good. My like blood work. I don't know what's going on. Why do I keep binge eating? Like, I wish I could just fix this one thing. And she goes, oh, you're so stressed, honey. You're just so stressed. And I lost it a little bit on her because, you know, when you hate yourself, you take it out on other people. So I'm like, 
what the fuck could I possibly be stressed about? Like it's summer vacation. I don't have school. I have a roof over my head. I have a family who loves me. Like everything is fine. What could I be stressed about? To which she goes, worrying about what other people think about you all the time is fucking stressful. And that like hit me like a ton of bricks. Like worrying about what other people think about you all the time is really fucking stressful. And that's when I realized that my whole life I've been living my life based on what other people wanted me to be and what other people thought about me and what other people expected of me. That's what I call OPO, OPA, and OPE, other people's opinions, other people's expectations, and other people's agendas. And that really changed my life because I I don't know, it's like There's so many people that could say, just love your body or take care of yourself or mental health first. And all these things sound so nice, but something about her pointing out that I cared so deeply about what other people thought about me. Meanwhile, I had this facade that I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I had this like, you know, intimidating, badass vibe. I remember my hair was like really black because I wanted to look you know, a little girl and I don't want people to mess with me and I want to pretend like I don't, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. And the fact that she called me out on that, you know, it just made me really, I realized that I didn't want to care what other people thought about me all the time and I didn't want to keep living my life pretending. So that really changed my life. And from there, I just sought help and I went on this healing self-love journey that was so hard And I will share more about that, you know, as we progress on this podcast journey. Um, But, you know, long story short, I moved. I moved out of Arizona because I just, I felt like every time I would go to the gym here, everybody like knew me and they'd be like, oh, what happened to you? Or are you competing again? And um, I didn't want anything to do with that. So I ended up moving and I ended up, you know, getting coaches and mentors and diving into books and videos and podcasts and everything that I could get my hands on to inspire me to love myself and heal my body and my mind and my spirit because I was so drained at 17, 18 years old. I literally wanted to give up on life. And thankfully that didn't happen. And thankfully I started, as I started, you know, embarking on my journey at first, I fell off the face of the earth and didn't, you know, share or talk to anybody And the only people that knew were like my mom and my boyfriend. And then little by little, I started opening up about it on my blog, on my Instagram, making some videos. And I don't know why, but so many women came up and were like, oh my God, me too. Oh my goodness. I've been dieting since I was 10 years old too. Oh my goodness. I care so much about what other people think about me too. Or, oh my God, I'm so scared to gain weight. And oh my goodness, I have dabbled in eating disorders and disordered eating. And oh my goodness, I hate getting in a swimsuit. And so many women stepped up and that me too effect just started, you know, picking up speed. And I'm so grateful for that because as much as, you know, I do get the messages that say, I so appreciate you and you help me so much. And I'm finally starting to love myself and, and accept my body. I so, so appreciate those messages. But what you don't know is that you actually helped me, you know, like you actually 
dragged me out of my hole because I think if I'm not helping people, I like I help myself by helping other people. So thank you for letting me do that. Want to acknowledge you there because without you, I feel like I would still be stuck. Um, but yeah, from there my platform grew. My story got picked up on Vogue or Teen Vogue and Self Magazine and Shape Magazine and so many platforms and people started sharing my story and the rest is history. So that is a synopsis. Um, I hope there were some parts that you could relate to and some things that you could take away um, at retreats. When I do host self-love retreats for women, I always, always start our workshops by giving us time and space to share our stories. And because that's like the only way we connect is by getting vulnerable and sharing the the stuff we usually don't talk about when we go have cocktails with our friends. Because when we have cocktails with our friends, we try to pretend like everything is okay. And we throw in a couple complaints just to call it good, but we never really get deep into what's actually going on behind the scenes and what we're actually going through. So thank you so much for listening. Um, thank you for being here for my first episode. Please subscribe to the show iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening. I'm new to this whole podcast thing, so I don't know what exactly you're supposed to do, but whatever you think you're supposed to do, please do it because it helps support the show. And I will see you next week for our first real official episode. Talk soon. This episode is sponsored by Retreats by Mary, which are my very own self-love retreats for women. These retreats, we have actually two coming up at the time of this recording. The first one is in Zanzibar, which is March 18th through 24th. That is a seven-day self-love retreat in the magical island of Zanzibar, which, yes, is in Africa. It's a semi-autonomous region off the coast of Tanzania, which is so exotic and cool, and I can't believe it's happening, but there are a couple spots left. So if you want to join us, go to my website and go to self-love retreats. You'll see it right there. And after, we have a retreat coming up in July, July 19th through 23rd, will be our Costa Rica self-love retreat. And both of these retreats are focused around healing body image, building confidence, and loving yourself unconditionally. So I have workshops every single day with you where I will teach you to do exactly that. We go on various excursions depending on which location you're coming to, but if you're coming to Zanzibar, we're going to be paddleboarding and swimming with dolphins and exploring the town and running on the beach and photo shoots and laughter and crying and connecting and dancing and singing and so many things that just connect you to yourself and your body while connecting you with other women that are on the same self-love journey. It truly is a magical experience. I don't even have words to describe it. You just got to be there. So if you're interested in a self-love retreat, like I said, just go to maryscupoftea.com and you will see a self-love retreats tab. Click on that. You can scroll on that page and find a self-love retreat that is calling your name.